How many of us are happy to be in God's presence today? Amen. It's been a wonderful service. It was an intense time of worship. How many of us were blessed by that wonderful time of worship? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God is good. I'm going to retrain a few of the announcements, uh, especially if you're new to Agape House of Worship. There's one event you must not miss, and that is the retreat. The retreat is very special, super special, amen? Uh, and I want you to please, I'm begging, begging you and urging you in the name of the Lord to plan to be there. It's going to take you 20, 48 hours. But if someone tell you there's a 48-hour can change your life, and that is true. So I want to encourage you to please, you know, forget about the discount. Regardless of whatever it takes you, please make sure you go. Amen. Amen. I was wondering where there was no increase. With all the inflation, there was no increase in the price. Amen. Everything is going up. Have you noticed that? But, you know, we decided to keep it the same. Amen. Uh, so please take advantage of that. God bless you in Jesus' name. There's one more thing I want to announce that is coming. is water baptism. Amen. Uh, we haven't had water baptism in two years. All right. The last time we had was three years ago. Uh, so if you've been, a lot of people have been craving the, for this. Many of us have given our life to Christ, made our commitment. In the last two years, you've joined the church. Uh, unfortunately, because of COVID and the pandemic, we've not had water baptism. Uh, please register so you can be part of our next water baptism. Hallelujah. So last Friday, I, I went for my 19th annual doctor's visit, annual visit, physical. All right. Yeah, I know that because when I went for my first annual physical, I was 30 years old. So I got to my doctor and I said, you know, I you know, booked an appointment. I went there and I sat down and he asked me, what brought you here? I said, well, I'm here for my annual physical. And I, and I looked at his face. He was looking at me in disbelief. <laughs> and he said, uh, don't worry, I'm a doctor. You can tell me anything. Uh, tell me why you're here. <laughs> I said, I'm here for my annual physical. <laughs> and he said, I don't think I've ever seen a 30-year-old black male walk up to me when they were not sick, just for an annual physical. I mean, that's unbelievable. I said, well, I guess you've seen one today. <laughs> There's that always a first time. I'm saying that to challenge you and encourage you. Many of us don't have a personal doctor. If you don't go for annual physical, uh, male, female, some of you think you are young, you don't need a doctor, you don't need anything, you don't need any of those that is wrong thinking. Amen? There, there's somebody you need in your life. You need a personal, you need a doctor. You need a, a doctor who is your doctor, who sees you regularly. Uh, you need, uh, you know, you need a lawyer maybe, right? <laughs> and you need a, a financial advisor. <laughs> At least those three people will help you go through life. I think you'll be fine. Amen? Sometimes people think it costs too much. It doesn't cost a lot, actually. Preventative care is actually very cheap. Even if you don't have insurance, there are ways you can go see a doctor. Maybe for $200, $300, you get some of these basic things. I mean, that's really cheap. I mean, you pay more than that for your car, monthly payment for your car. Yeah. So why not a little for your health? You need to take care of yourself. Amen. So... Uh, thankfully, I got a clean bill of health, amen, for the 19th time, amen. All the vitals are good, praise God. I'm still a man of faith, amen. So faith does not prevent us from doing things that, you know, from doing our responsibility. I just thought to drop that to you. Uh, hopefully, I can help somebody this morning, amen. By the way, I also have to lose some weight, so... 
So you, you should hold me accountable. You say, I need to shed a few pounds. It's inching up a little bit. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. So, Father, we just ask you today that you will bless this word. You will anoint my lips, anoint even my thoughts. Let every word that proceeds out of my mouth be life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So two weeks ago, we started to talk about faith. Uh, we took a little break yesterday, uh, last week because of the Mother's Day, had a fantastic conversation about faith with mothers, amen, and I think uh, it was such a blessing from the comments I've been getting from people. Uh, but we try to define faith. Uh, faith simply means to trust, you know, to be fully persuaded to trust in God and to believe him for our life primarily. And believe him for what he has said, for his intent to come to pass. Knowing fully well that, you know, God is able to do all things. Amen. And I obviously from the video, faith is primarily trusting God that he exists. That he is interested in our lives. And that he is committed to his plan and purpose for our life. Faith is knowing that God's plans and his ability, they are matched. They are equal. When he plans something, he is able to bring them to pass. I love Hebrews 11.6. Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. That's, how, that's why faith is important. Uh, because we all want to please God. We all want to live a life that God is happy with. But we can't do that with faith. So it is also God's responsibility to teach us to trust him. Sometimes that is why when you walk with God, you always wonder, why does he sometimes deal with us in certain ways? I believe God deals with us in certain ways so as for us to learn to please him. Pleasing him requires our ability to trust him. Hallelujah. Amen. To have faith. So Hebrews, you know, the writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. He is. And he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is means he is not a God of past tense. Not that he was. It is actually easy to believe that God was. All right? For people, a lot of people, it's very easy for them to believe the miracles in the Bible than to believe that God can actively do it in our lives. Right? So we believe in the God, Jesus set people free, Jesus healed people, God moved through difficult circumstances. Oh my, that was awesome. That is great. I read it and enjoy it and I believe it. But we forget that he is. He's not a God that was. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that God is. He's not a God of past tense. And I love that about our God. Is current, is present. Hallelujah. He is means he is there. He's there. David once said, even, I mean, where can I go, you know, without him? I can never run away from God's presence. He's there. He said, even if I'm, if I'm, even if I'm in the depth of the earth, he's there. If I decide to go to the depth of the sea, he is there. You know, faith is believing that God is there. I remember Jonah, you know, he was in the depth of the, in the belly of the fish. That's a place you think, you know, God isn't here. What is God doing in the belly of a whale? You know, he's, he's in the bottom of the sea and in the belly of a whale. And Jonah realized that all hope's lost. I'm even in the wrong place. I'm in the wrong side of equation here. I'm running away from God. I'm disobedient. You know, things are not everything. I should just give up and just die. 
But thank God for Jonah. I think he remembered that God is present everywhere. And the Bible says that man just lifted up his voice. I don't know how he did it in the belly of a whale. But somehow he muscled some energy to say some words to God. You know, there are times we find ourselves in situations where it looks like God is absent. Hallelujah. But we must always remind ourselves the God that we serve is. He is means he is there. I don't know where you are right now. I just want to remind you, God is there. You know, God is there. Maybe everybody has left. Maybe no one is there anymore. Maybe everybody has abandoned you. Maybe you feel like you are so lonely. The Bible says God is. Hallelujah. The implication of that word he is also means he knows. He knows. You see, we don't serve a God that, is, that, does not, that doesn't know what we are going through. In fact, the Bible says we do not have an high priest who is untouched by the feelings of our infirmities. That means he knows what we feel. He knows, you know, we used to sing a song here, he knows my name, right? That is, he knows everything. He knows our thoughts. He knows what we are going through. He is concerned. He's not a God without a feeling. He's a God that is there. Hallelujah. And sometimes when we feel he's not there, I think we can ask him, Lord, just show me that you know what I'm going through. Because we must believe it. Don't forget the scripture says, anyone that comes to God must believe that he is. I mean, that's the premise of our relationship with God. If the premise of your relationship with God is that he was, I'm not even sure he's present, then it is impossible for you to walk by faith. Faith relies on our ability to really conceptualize the fact that he knows. He knows what I'm going through, and he knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. You see, sometimes God's ways are not our ways. Sometimes he goes through, he goes through some road that we thought, you know, why is he going through this way? Why is God taking me through this route? Why? You know, faith believes that God knows what he's doing. Maybe you are looking at your life, it's full of contradictions. You feel like things should have gone this way. You should have, you know, you feel like, you know, things should have been this way. No, 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 no. God knows. He knows what he's doing. Hallelujah. He is also means he's actively interested and engaged in the event of our lives. I want to tell you, God is not a passive God. In fact, the Bible, one of the characteristics of love, love is not passive. And God is love. He is actively interested. And he's actively engaged. He's engaged. You know, your life is like a web, but God is engaged. He's moving those things together. Sometimes we don't always catch it. In fact, the ways of God, the works of God, somehow we always catch them afterwards. You know, it is, it is hindsight. It is in hindsight we always say, oh, oh, now I see what God was doing. Sometimes when we go through them, they look confusing. It looks like is this even God. But faith allows us to believe, hallelujah, that God is actively engaged. Luke chapter 12, verse 7, Jesus tells us, but even the very hairs of our head, they are numbered. Wow. He said, are you not of much value than sparrows? You see, God even pays attention to the bar. Have you seen uh, what a detail God we serve? Even in nature. Have you seen how those things are beautified? Have you seen how seasons go, seasons come? Have you seen how even those flowers are decorated? Jesus told us, if God cares for the lilies, if God cares for the birds, if God cares for all these things, what makes you to believe he doesn't care about you? Still many of us go through life almost believing that God is not interested. The God we serve is actively interested. Hallelujah. I want you to say, Lord, I thank you because you are actively interested and actively engaged in the event of my life. Hallelujah. He is means he's bigger than all my problems. He is. 
Those who come to God must believe that he is. He's a God of the present tense. Hallelujah. Today I'm going to just follow up on that and talk about, you know, the consideration of faith. I titled today, The Consideration of Faith. When you study the Bible, you notice some words, and you just wonder why, you know, the, the writer uses certain words. And that word is the word considered. I mean, it's, a, it's actually, you know, a, an old-fashioned way of writing. Sometimes, some of the writers will use the word reckon, reckon, or, you know, or, you know, or consider. But in the, in the, in the, the modern world will be, uh, we will use in those instances, which I'm going to read some of those verses, is the word rationale, right? You know, you know, the rationale of our faith. You see, because faith itself does not occur in a vacuum. You see, faith does not occur in a vacuum. You know, faith engages every aspect of our life. Faith engages our mind, all right? It engages our hearts. You know, it's primarily a matter of the heart, but faith also engages our mind. You see, sometimes we miss the mind part. Sometimes we just say, you know what, faith is of the heart. Yes, faith is in the heart because we must believe in our heart. We must believe in our heart primarily. That means that belief must be fundamental, it must be deep, it must be rooted in our life, it must be the basis of our oppression, it must be what moves us. So when the Bible talks about believing God in our heart, even the salvation of our faith is a question of believing in our heart. You know, believing in our heart is the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, when a man hears the gospel that Jesus died for my sin, he was buried, he was rose, you know, he rose the third day because of my sin. And when I put my trust in him, I am saved. You know, it doesn't always make sense. It's, it's, not, it's not really possible to just be able to understand all those, you know, you know nitty-gritty of how that happened, you know, why Jesus died, you know, what happened, what is redemption, what is the blood, you know, how all these things fit together, why, why must it be three days? You know, theologians will make all these cases. You know, it's not all the time. I mean, most times we don't even care. You know, we don't even know. But a lot of time, the Holy Spirit, hallelujah, has a way of being able to bypass our mind and reaches through our hearts, right? And somehow your heart agrees with that. That's why you are saved, right? It resonates with your heart. Something tells you the spirit witness you know, with your spirit. The Holy Spirit witnesses with your spirit that this is true, that I need Jesus. That without Jesus, I don't think I have hope. Without Jesus, there's no afterlife. There's no place for me. But by placing my faith in Jesus, my sins are forgiven. I become a child of God. That is of the heart. Hallelujah. But usually soon after, you know, the battle comes to your mind because you daily live in your mind, right? You know, you begin to say, how do I rationalize this? How do I put this into context? Because we live every day with our mind, right? We make decisions with our mind. So somehow we have to get our mind to agree with our hearts. Hallelujah. We have to get our mind to agree with our heart. We have to get our mind to agree. You know, we've already made that decision, you know, and that's what makes us saved because the Bible says when we make that decision, we are saved. In fact, you know, you know you are saved. You can feel you are saved. You, you know, you know, nobody, sometimes we can't even explain our salvation, right? But deep in your heart, you know you are saved. Hallelujah. You know, you are not always able to explain. It's like a child and a parent. You know you are loved. Why do you know you are loved? I just know my mother loves you. I just know I'm loved. You know, and not, you know sometimes you can't argue against that. But the enemy sometimes want to dislodge, want to destabilize us. That is why we need rationale for our faith. The rationale for our faith allows us to defeat the enemy's onslaught. Because the enemy will come for the belief in your heart. 
The enemy will come for your mind. The enemy will come to, dis, you know, to come to destabilize you. The enemy will come to wage war against your mind. Now, I believe that God is. That is in my heart. I believe that God is present. That is in my heart. I believe he's active. That is in my heart. I believe he's interested in me. That is in my heart. But a lot of times you might find yourself in conflicting situations where something going on around you doesn't jive with what is in your heart. Right? That's a conflict. That's a conflict. When the angel appeared to uh, one of the prophets, I believe it was uh, Gideon, he said, Almighty man of valor. And he said, The Lord is with you. And he began to, I mean, and that's a statement of fact. The Lord is with Israel, right? Israel, you know, Israel, you know, is on God's side. You know, but something happening around him wasn't jiving with that. So he had to say, you know, if God is with us, why are all these things happening around us? All right? You know, so that is, that is the challenge. That is what we find ourselves. So we must find, you know, a way to rationalize. That's a rationale. A way to really put it into context. A way to defeat the fiery dart of the enemy. A way to defeat the argument of the enemy. Hallelujah. That is why the Bible says the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, they are mighty through God to pull down strongholds, to cast down imagination, right? And to defeat every argument, to take captive, to arrest every argument against the knowledge of God that is going on in our life. The enemy is going to constantly weaken your, I mean, make argument against God. The enemy is going to constantly accuse when the enemy was hauled off heaven in Revelation chapter 20. The Bible says the angel of God rejoiced, chapter 19. He said they rejoiced and they said, you know what, finally the enemy of our brothers and sisters, the one that constantly accused them before God has been hauled out. And that's one of the job of the enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. He accuses, he accuses, he makes legitimate claim. He makes, you know, something, I mean, and he uses things that, you know, we can see around us. You see someone like John the Baptist, the person that revealed Jesus, right? He was the person that showed us who Jesus was. That was his life calling. That was the purpose of his birth, Right? He was birthed to reveal Jesus, and he did a perfect job. He was a revered prophet, revered all over Israel. He was known, but nobody even doubt, nobody doubted John the Baptist. He didn't face many of the doubts that Jesus faced. I mean, he was accepted, he was revered, he was beloved by some people, he was feared by many. Now, his job was to reveal who Jesus was. So he's there baptizing people and looking for Jesus. You know, so I'm sure he's just looking. People are coming, and he's trying to say, is this Jesus? You know, I dipped them in water, and he said, that's not the one. Then he said, go. You know, and he's doing all these things. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared, and something lit up in his spirit. And he knew this is Jesus. There's no, I mean, it wasn't his mind that knew this is Jesus. It was his heart. Hallelujah. Something lit up in his heart. And as soon as Jesus showed up, he knew there's a light in his heart that tells him, this is Jesus. And he said, no, I can't baptize you. You know, I can't. I can't even, I can't, I can't. And Jesus said, let's do this, bro. Let's do this. Let's do this. This, this must happen. This must happen. This must happen. To fulfill all righteousness. Just close your eyes and do it. Just close your eyes and do it. And he said, oh, I have to. Ah, this is great. Ah, this is difficult. He just dipped Jesus and the whole thing kicked off from there. The Holy Spirit came upon Jesus like a dog, and Jesus went to the wilderness, and Jesus' ministry just took off from there. And something shifted soon afterwards in, in John the Baptist's life. He was arrested. You know, he preached a very, very difficult message, tough message against, the, against Herod. He was arrested. He was in prison. 
and the enemy began to walk on his mind. Right? You see, then the warfare began. The warfare against his mind. And the enemy started deconstructing what he believed in his heart. You see, that's the popular. The word deconstructing is very popular now if you are, if you are really engaged in the popular culture. People, backsliding people now say, I'm deconstructing. You know, they say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm disconnected. You know, that's, you know, in the old days, we say, that brother is backslidden. <laughs> that, that bro is backslidden. Let's pray for him. People now say, I'm you know, I'm disconstructing my faith. But it's actually true because the enemy really works, you know, methodically to deconstruct. And that's because sometimes people haven't really translated their faith you know, into something they can really, uh, their mind can engage in. Their heart and their mind, they are not in agreement yet. So the enemy began to walk on John the Baptist. Now, he was isolated. That didn't help. He was in prison. So obviously, the enemy started to really attack his mind, and he began to say, maybe he's not even the Christ. You know, you know maybe. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe what I saw, maybe wasn't real. You know, maybe that... You know, that feeling I heard, maybe that I heard in my heart that this is Jesus. Maybe that wasn't real. Maybe that experience, you know, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, maybe that wasn't real. And the Bible says he calls his disciples and he sends them to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 11, he sent them to Jesus and he said, go ask him, are you really the one that is to come or will you look for another one? Can you imagine that? This is one of the greatest prophets. In fact, even Jesus said, you know, of every man born of woman, there's probably none greater than John the Baptist. And even yet, the enemy succeeded in dislodging his mind. So this disciple came to Jesus Christ and they, they said, the master, John the Baptist sent us to you. He said, what? He said, we should ask you, are you the one that is to come <laughs> or we should look for another? And Jesus said, what? He sent you that? Uh, but Jesus had mercy on him. Jesus was compassionate. Jesus understood. And Jesus, you know, said, go and tell him what you see. Go and tell him what you see. So it's very important for us to know that in order to really walk by faith, we must learn what, I mean, how should I translate the believe in my heart, hallelujah, to what I can really believe in my mind. So let's go to Romans chapter 4. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. This is describing the father of our faith, Abraham. He said, and be not weak in faith. This is describing Abraham. Hallelujah. He considered not his own body, now dead. So that's something. He, you know, he, there is, he, he refused to consider his own body. So in the physical, now God gave him a promise, and I want you to notice that. God gave Abraham a promise that he was going to become father of nations. Obviously, that promise didn't make sense at the time, but that promise agreed with Abraham in his heart, right? I mean, because, you know, God called him out of his country, right? Leave your country, leave your, leave your father and mother, go to a country, I will show you. And God gave him a promise, I want to make, I want, I want to take your life, you know, I want to make a good example out of it, all right? I want to make a testimony out of your life. I will make you the father of nations. The seed that will come out of you through your seed, all the nations of the heart, of the earth, rather, will be blessed. That's the word of the Lord the Lord gave to Abraham. Now, that word, Abraham must obviously agree with that. Because he actually responded to that. And the Bible says Abraham believed God. Right? And he was recorded as righteousness. Now, obviously, Abraham's experience years later was now different. So he now has two sets of facts. One in the natural. The other one requires faith. One in the supernatural. So being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead because at this point, he was about 100 years old. So he went from this time to many years, 25 years. You know, he was about 100 years old. 
25 years of waiting. Neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now, even the wife was advanced in age. Biologically, it was impossible no more, right? Biologically, it was no longer possible. You know, but Abraham now has to say now, do I base my reasoning, my faith on these facts, which is confronting me, or do I base it on another set of facts? How many of us know alternative facts, right? That phrase was invented a few years ago, right? All right. So do I look for what facts should I follow? You know, verse 20 said, he staggered not at the promise of God. Now he had the promise through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Being fully persuaded. Now we now begin to see that what was his consideration? Now, if he was not considering, because now Abraham is walking around, he's saying, I'm going to become the father of nations. Now, he didn't give up on that. I am going to become the father of nations. This is the word of the Lord. This is what God has told me. Now, but if I'm going to become father of nations, this reality does not support father of nations. Is that, is that true? Now, so what must support father of nation, right? What must support it? Now, he now must look for alternative facts. <laughs> Hallelujah. A support for his faith. Now, you begin to see the support now. Number one, he was fully persuaded that he, what he had promised he was also able to perform. So he now said, you know what? Let's list the physical factor. You know, I'm 100 years old. You know, you know, the chance of this is not happening physically. My wife is old. The chance of this. Now, what is the other fact from God's standpoint? I also know that God will promise. Wow. He's also able to perform. Hallelujah. So he was fully persuaded what he had promised. He was also able to perform. So I must trust on God's ability to perform. Verse 22. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, I love verse 23 because we can say, well, that's Abraham. You know, that's the story of Abraham. You know, that's... that's that's God knows thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. Now, verse 23 now says, Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed for him, to him rather, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus from the dead. So what this account is not for it's not for us to just praise Abraham. Now, it's not just for us to just say, wow, Abraham was awesome, man. Abraham was great. Abraham was amazing. He said, no, 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 that's not for him. You know, the reason why this is documented for us to read is because we can learn from his example. Because we are all going to be Abraham. We are all going to be faced with circumstances of life that does not support God's promises over our lives. And in that moment, we're going to choose what is our rationale. What is my rationale for living? What's my rationale for still keeping my joy? What is my rationale for still going on? What is my rationale for still believing that my heart, you know, there's a purpose for my life? What is my rationale for still believing that God's promises for me still stand? Amen. If that rationale is me, then I'm standing on a weak ground. But if that rationale is God, then I can be confident. Hallelujah. Let's look at, let's look at uh, Sarah in himself. You know. Sarah, on the other hand, was dealing with her own, right? <laughs> you know, it's not just about Abraham. Abraham is not the only person in this picture. Sarah also is dealing with her own issue. And if you go to verse you know, if you go to Hebrew, Hebrews tells us a little bit about, more about him in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. And 
by faith. Even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children. Wow. He was enabled by who? By God. But also, we know why he's enabled. Because she considered him faithful. I want you to look at the word consider. Who had made the promise. That Sarah's rationale, how Sarah kept her faith. Don't forget that without faith, it is impossible to receive from God. Without faith, it is impossible, you know, to please God and receive from him, right? How did Sarah, you know, go through this period, this season? That means that what the Bible is saying here, he consider, his consideration. When the enemy came with all those barrage of thoughts, you know, to destabilize her, to tell her to be down, depressed, give up. You know, I don't even know if God cares. I don't even know if this is going to happen. Just give up and move on. He went, she went back to her notes and said, you know what? Yeah, 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 let's calm down. My body is dead. I'm past God, you know, you know, childbearing age, you know. But God said. Amen. Right? Even change my name. Hallelujah. I'm going to be the mother of nation. And he said, he considered him faithful who had made the promise. He said, well, God made the promise. He said, God is faithful. And I want to encourage you. God is faithful. The God you serve is faithful. The Bible says even if we are, we are faithless, he is faithful. God does not deny himself. He doesn't deny himself. He is faithful who has given you the promise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can clap and just let's give him praise. Let's worship him. God is faithful. You see, it doesn't just always work, even in in, sometimes in situations where we go through challenges. I'm going to give you another scripture where the Bible uses the word consider. You know, I'm talking about consider or rationale in, the, you know, in, our, in our mother language, right? Or rationale. Let's look at Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. This is Apostle Paul. I mean, who is an apostle, a man of God, an anointed man, had an encounter with Jesus. But he went through so many suffering just for sharing the gospel. You know, sometimes it's easy to read about these things. It's not easy to go through. I mean, many of us, I mean, what we call suffering today, wow. Right? Our suffering today is, you know, my check bounced. Oh, I think I just have to leave God. God is not good anymore. You know? I didn't get that job. Oh, that's terrible. You know, sometimes some of the things we call suffering, but he, this guy went through suffering. He was stoned. I mean, he was... Almost killed. I mean, you know, he, at some point he said, look, it's just trouble everywhere. <laughs> you know, suffering everywhere. Shipwreck, you know. I mean, I mean, how, how can a man of God suffer shipwreck like that? You know, he, had, he was betrayed by many people. I mean, he had a long list of people that he trusted that betrayed him. He said, you know, I was betrayed by brethren, false brethren. I was betrayed by, obviously, unsafe people, by the Jews, by the Gentiles. He went through so many things in his life. So, obviously, that has to mess up your psyche at some point. I mean, that has to really, no matter how strong you are. Now, he had his experience. He has his calling. You know, he had how Jesus rescue him, arrested. I mean, there are so many people rescued by Jesus. They had a powerful encounter. But years later, you know, the challenges are just too much, and they walk away. Why? Because 
You see, they are rational after a while. The enemy was able to break them down. Give them a rational to quit. You know, so Paul was giving his own version of the story here, how he survived it. Hallelujah. And in verse 18, he gave us a powerful secret. He said, I consider that my present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So he's saying, I mean, when I'm down, I'm in that prison, lonely, and I'm like, is it worth it at all? I mean, maybe I should just quit and go live my life. After all, I had a life. After all, I was doing fine. And he said, I, I just say, let me think, let me think. Let me, the devil is working on me now. Thankfully, he said, no, the enemy is working on me. He said, you know, even though God allows me to suffer, but let me really think about it. You see, this suffering, they are not worth compared or comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Hallelujah. You see, your faith is only as strong as the test it survives. See, your, our faith must be, must be able to survive. But in order for faith to survive, you must really fortify your mind. You must arm yourself with what to consider. What are the facts that I'm going to base everything on when the enemy comes with his arguments? Praise the name of Jesus. And what should our consideration be? There are at least three things here. I'm going to add a fourth one. Number one is the promises of God. From what we talked about here, from Abraham, from, uh, from uh, uh, his wife Sarah, from Apostle Paul, the promises of God. And we know the promises of God, they are always yes and amen. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So God's promises, they are yes. And we say amen to that. So our consideration ought to be God's promises. Even when things around us are crazy, are chaotic, they don't make sense. You know, we can always say, you know, what does God say? What did he say? And what has he said to me? One of our sisters gave a powerful testimony yesterday at our naming ceremony. That was an amazing testimony. She's a physician herself. She was pregnant several months. I mean, seven months, whatever. At, I mean, then she had so much complications and the doctor said, you know, we have to, we have to remove your uterus. I mean, a pregnant woman. And, and she said, no. Now, she said, but I remember there's a word given to me. I got a word. And that was allow me to be able to say, no, 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 no. That's not God's promise. And they began to war a good warfare. They said for a whole week, doctors were coming every day wanting me to sign. They, they, you know, sign, sign. Said, I'm a physician myself. I know what it means. But I have to say I can't sign. I can't sign. I can't sign. I can't sign. And eventually she had a baby and they were like, ha, ha. Wow, everything is perfect. So, so, the promises of God. Number two, consideration is the ability of God. We always have to go back to God's ability. I mean, we have to go back to, you know, scriptures that talk about God's ability. And there are so many of them. You know, just go on Google and say scriptures about the ability of God. You're going to have a slew of them. And begin to consume them. Begin to really say, you know what? I would need to know about God's ability. Hallelujah. My favorite, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now, to him who is able to do 
exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. You see, God, no matter what he promised, he's able to do. No matter what I ask him, he's able to do more. That's what the Bible is saying. You see, God can exceed our wildest expectation. God can exceed it. God can exceed it. God can exceed it. And I speak to someone here, God is going to exceed it. You see, what you imagine, where you see yourself, when God does it, he is going to exceed it in the mighty name of Jesus. He will exceed your imagination according to the power that works in us. Another favorite of mine, 2 Timothy 2.13, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. You see that? Faithless, faithful. Our faith is less. God's faith is always full. So his fullness makes up for my lessness. Did you get that now? So God, 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 even the little faith is, is, is you know, even if, have, even if I have less faith, it's better than no faith, right? So if you have a faith that is as small as, sometimes God is just looking for an opportunity to come through for us. And he said, if I just find a small, a tiny, bitty faith, I'm going for it. You know, Jesus is convincing God. No, no, I found faith there. It's little, but I found it. Hallelujah. Small faith is better than no faith. Say, Lord, please just increase my faith. Father, just release that spirit of faith. Increase my ability to believe you even in, in difficult circumstances. Can we, just, can we just believe God for a spirit of faith? So Father, in Jesus' name, I just release the spirit of faith in this atmosphere. I release the spirit of faith in this atmosphere. Faith that overcomes. Faith that believes. Faith that stands even in the face of uncertainty. Faith that overcomes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release right now over these people, over this congregation, over everyone under the sound of my voice. The Bible says we have the same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore we speak. So Father, in the name of Jesus now, I release the supernatural gift and gift of faith and grace of faith over everyone here. Faith to walk with you. Faith to, faith to believe you. Faith to stand. I release right now in the name of Jesus. Just a small faith is enough. Wow, just a small faith is enough. Hallelujah. And the faithfulness of God is my last. God's faithfulness. Psalm 119.90 says, Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. God is faithful. He's full of faith. God is always full. That means he, he, he believes us no matter what. God believes. He believes. He believes in you no matter what. He believes. He believes. He believes that you are able. He believes that you can. He believes that you can still be useful. You can. You are. You still have something. You have, you have much more in you than you can think. There's more to your life. Your life is not defined by your sin, by your past, by your errors, by your mistakes. Those error mistakes, they are not enough to wipe out God's plan for your life. You are the only one keeping yourself now. You are the only one counting yourself out. If you just can reach out to him and say, Lord, I still have a little bit faith left. And I'm stretching that faith to you right now. I think there are some people here who need to stand up. That, des that describe your situation. Say, Lord, yes, yes, I no longer want to count myself out. I still have a little bit faith left. I still have a little bit faith left. And I want to connect with you right now. Yes, Lord, in the name of Jesus. I still have it left, Lord, in the name of Jesus. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we just, we just lift our faith up to you now. In the name of Jesus, we believe you for your promises. We believe you because they are yea, they are amen. We believe that you are full of faith. We believe that you can handle it. You can change that situation. You can use them for your glory. You can use them for your honor. In the name of Jesus, you will no longer count us out. 
We are not defined by our past, past errors, past mistakes, lost opportunities, lost everything. No, no, no. You can make up for everything lost because you are able. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll wrap up. If you are here, you don't know Jesus. You can have your seat. You don't know Jesus or you've walked away from him. For whatever reason, disappointment. You've, you've truly, truly lost faith in him. You want to say, Lord, I'm rededicating my life to you today. I'd like to pray for you. Just lift up your hands wherever you are. I'd like to pray for you. You want to say, you know what, I'm, I, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. I want to. Just stand where you are. Just stand. Just stand where you are. I just want to pray for you. I just felt this is your moment. Just stand on your seat. Just stand. Stand where you are. Please stand up. Stand up and keep standing. You want to say, just pray for me. I want to, I want to rededicate my life to you. Ma, I, want, I want to rededicate my life to you. If you're online, you're watching us wherever you are. I want to, you can stand. You can still stand. You can stand wherever you are. Because God is. God is there. God is present. He's there in that room. He's there in that office. He's there in that car. He's there on your in that room. He's there. And you want to say, I just need. You know, life has really messed me up. I've lost my faith in Jesus. But I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back to you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, I am still, you know, I'm still, I recognize now that I'm still valuable. You still love me. You still care for me. My errors, my mistakes, they are not enough to change how you look at me, how you view me. You still love me the same. And I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm fully back. And I want you to just repeat after me. I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me, that there's nothing in my past and in my presence that can separate me from your love. So today I come back to you. I rededicate my life to you. I ask Jesus, forgive me. Forgive my lack of faith. For, forgive my walking away from you. But now I'm back. And I thank you because you've accepted me. I trust you that you will, you will be with me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with faith. Fill me with love. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we put